This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives here. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Are you uh, still happy? Our weekly check-in, are you happy to be here? <laughs> I am happy to be here. <laughs> uh, when when you say here yeah. and acknowledge a happiness, what does that mean in your mind? Happy to be on Obsessed? Happy to be... In our apartment, happy to be on the planet Earth. Well, I mean, all of those things. <laughs> I, th- I honestly, what I was referring to for myself was here in our apartment. Um, with the gradual reopening of the world, I have been um, working in person more than I had been in some of the previous months. So it is a nice treat and delight to actually get to be in our apartment right now. Um, as well as to be on this earth and recording this podcast. Right, right. Because for your work, you are, you're going into work because you don't actually work with that many people. Yes, yes, I do not. I'm still working primarily solitary, but there has been a lot of work this week that I needed to be on site to do. Um, was not work that could be done remotely, so... Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You've seen the outside. I have. Yes, I have not seen the outside a lot. I am. I know I'm lucky to have uh, podcast work and writing work, but that does mean that like uh, yesterday as we're recording this, I had a moment where I was like, yep, can't remember the last time uh, I went outside. Like we we're lucky to have our little balcony, so mm-hmm. I've stepped outside. Uh, but I had a weird thing last night where I stepped outside and it was just really like, I need to walk through that outside world uh because it is it kind of looks like a zoom background to me and i need to walk into the zoom background (laughs) and make sure that it is real yeah Uh, yeah so uh, and we're gonna do that yes we we are gonna walk into the zoom background yep uh it's a it's a very good zoom background we're lucky for many things is the point uh let's get into our topic is as we are going along in the world as i've said on the last few episodes trying to be mindful of just uh, moving forward with life and acknowledging the need for fun and adventure and discussion of many things, but also being mindful that we are still working through many, you know, I would say global crises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> global pandemics, pretty pretty straightforward uh, crisis. Yep, you know, yep uh, I'd agree with that one. Uh, great and necessary civil unrest and discussion of a uh, long history of injustice, uh, mm-hmm. always on our mind. <laughs> sounded weird but you know it's true it's true i said it like a radio dj civil unrest is always on my mind i didn't mean it that way um but we've been looking for topics that are on our minds uh be- because of the nature of the world but also something that we would want to talk about anyway and an obsession that popped into my mind uh because i am truly and deeply obsessed is twitter Yes. Yeah. So I've been meaning and waiting to do an episode about Twitter for a long time. I was uh, thinking about uh, before the old pandemic hit of, you know, I should do another live obsessed and Twitter would be a great one. And who could my guests be? And maybe so uh, in a way, though, it makes sense uh, since I have been interacting with the world a lot on Twitter during this time to talk about Twitter now. So uh, as I said, cards on the table, I am very, very obsessed. What? Have you ever been obsessed with Twitter? Have you always been good about moderating your response time? What's your feeling about your <laughs> obsession level with Twitter as we get into this? I feel like um, for me, for the most part, I have I would not consider myself obsessed with Twitter. Um, there have probably been a few times when I've been specifically 
anti-obsessed, if that could be a thing. <laughs> uh, but I would say there are also a few times when I have been micro-obsessed. Okay, let, let's pause because those are two interesting things. How would you define anti-obsessed? Like periods of time where you're like, I am really into not being on Twitter. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, anti-obsessed is probably not quite the right word, but it's more just like, this is not what I want for right now. And so I am just not going to look at Twitter for the next three weeks or, you know, whatever. Like, I wouldn't give myself a time frame like that. But it was just like, yep, not doing that right now. Was that in response to being annoyed or overwhelmed or losing too much time? Um, I think I've probably done it in response to all of those. There have also <laughs> been times where I just get busy and forget. And yeah. then it's like, oh, Twitter exists still. Hey, let's look at that. Okay. Um, but there have definitely been times where maybe I'll look for it, at it for a while and maybe I'll have a micro obsession and then decide, nope, that in the end, I don't feel better. I don't feel like I've learned things. This is older times. Um, so now I'm going to take a break. Okay. So how do you define for yourself micro obsessed? Are we talking obsessed for five minutes, obsessed for a week? Uh, yes, somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes I feel like it's, you know, certainly when there's things that are going on, and, and I know we'll, we'll talk more about this, but when there's something going on, it's a, a good way to get into things. So there's times when I do have that obsession. And then I think, honestly, it's sometimes after there's something that I've been really trying to follow along that then I'm like, okay, well, now what's going on Twitter? And I try to like search through Twitter. I'm like, I want like, give me my fix, Twitter. And it doesn't. <laughs> but like, I have those little micro obsessions that I would say are anywhere from an hour to three days. Okay. And that is with the overall uh, service, the means of communication where you, mm -hmm. you get a little sucked in. Mm -hmm. Do you have times where you get obsessed with a, a specific topic where you're like, I'm going to be obsessed with gardening Twitter? <laughs> um, uh, ooh, I'm sure I have. Yes. So back when I used to do more with um, museum websites, mm -hmm. uh, it, when I worked for the Minnesota Historical Society, I, I was not part of their, you know, web team, but because of the nature of things, anyway, I was doing more and I was, um, found a very fun and vibrant community of kind of the Muse Tech community, which is the museum tech, um, not just websites, but also digital deliveries. And it was right around that time, um, maybe late 2000s when early 20 teens, is that what we call it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> where, Everybody was kind of figuring out what do we put online, what do we not put online, how do rights work, how do, you know, digital interaction versus physical interaction. So this is all museums trying to adapt to the technology, not an overlap between museum and technology industries. It was the personal Twitter accounts of people who do this professionally. So it. it was not the museum accounts. It was the, um, the or it is, I think they're still very much around. It's just not... I look at it still every once in a while. I'm like, hey, cool, what's going on over there? Oh, they're talking about things I have no idea about anymore. <laughs> but it was um, it was such a discussion point at that time um, and still, but very much um, kind of a group of professionals, both figuring things out together and also just having fun. Like nice. there would be random unrelated tweet threads as well. And so, um, so that would be one category that for a while I was following. Micro-obsessed, yeah. Okay. Sure, yeah. How do you how do you feel now? Like, well, I will share my observation. Yeah, it seems like right now you are being extremely mindful of I'm going to take 15 minutes to catch up or to maybe read a specific thing 
read up on a specific thing and you are being very, very uh, mini micro 15 <laughs> minute. I, I wouldn't even call it obsessed. It seems like you have figured out an amount to read uh, that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found for myself over the last few years that the times when I find Twitter to be the most useful for what I want out of it are when there are things going on within the world. Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily locally, although I do every time I think I hear an earthquake, check it for earthquake Twitter. Earthquake Twitter is uh, one of the joys of living in Los Angeles. It is. And if I may just uh, tell a quick earthquake Twitter story. Yeah. One night I woke up and I, I think you were out of town at a convention somewhere. Yes. And I was like, I swear that was a mini earthquake. And I woke up and was like, we'll have to check Twitter. Nobody else was talking about it. Like I found really? one other person who's like, was that an earthquake? And so then I just felt like, did I just make that up? But the bed swayed. So I don't think I made it up. And it was so weird. It's the, I, I felt let down. <laughs> <laughs> what By year was Twitter. this? Um, like maybe three years ago, something like okay, that. Okay. Because earthquake Twitter is really hot right now. Oh. I mean, it's, it's the thing. Like there had been an earthquake like three days before that and earthquake Twitter was totally present. I just, I, it did really make me question my own sanity. Okay. Understandably yeah. so. Yes. That was one of my favorite uh, early experiences in Los Angeles. The first time I uh, felt an earthquake and just didn't know what it was and was really like, had that feeling like that was rude. Somebody bumped into our apartment building. Oh wait, no. And a whole apartment <laughs> building shouldn't feel like somebody just kind of bumped into it. And I checked Twitter and the first tweet I saw was from uh, William Shatner. With the question mark, earthquake? <laughs> <laughs> and now, if there is an earthquake, uh, that is, it's basically, it's like the interrobang, the, uh, you know, exclamation mm-hmm. point, question mark, just rotating where people are either using the exclamation point or the question mark, earthquake, mm-hmm. earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. Yes. Felt that one. <laughs> Felt that one. That was dope. like, and then it gets very meta very fast. Yeah. It is very, very Twitter. Yeah, so that's a time when I feel like I really do use Twitter locally. But otherwise, I feel like for me, it is often most uh, useful. I get the most out of it when there's something that I'm following either nationally, internationally, maybe on a specific topic. It doesn't need to be something like the pandemic that everybody's talking about. It might be something smaller. Um, And certainly with like all the civil unrest that's going on, I find that to be a very... Um, a good way to find out kind of what's going on, what different people are saying. You, you do get that. Certainly with all the things in Minneapolis, you're getting some of the on the ground mm-hmm. um, updates, uh, not always in the moment because uh, wireless services often go down when yeah. that many people are on it. Um, but it was a good way to to stay connected. Right, right. And so you you do tweet every once in a while, but you are far more using Twitter as honestly like a curated news magazine on your phone uh, than a broadcasting system for yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I mean to tweet more, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, I've been, I, you know, will often retweet something. And I'll, if I think of something, I'll share something. Uh, it's not like I don't tweet at all, but I, yeah, I think I do use it much more. And I, I have gotten to a point where I... Um, I try to have a variety of voices on there from a variety of interests that I'm uh, in. Like I've lately added, um, you know, like maybe earlier this year, late last year, added a bunch of um, pro-public transit 
okay. accounts. So kind of all over the world and that kind of thing. So for some of these, I find it's a great place for some of these niche interests. Yeah. And so I that's kind of what I've turned it into. As well as, you know, keeping an eye on what um, well-known people or friends from all over the world are saying. And, you know, it's a good way to keep up with people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have my foot in so many different worlds from having different career interests myself and having good friends in, you know, they've met through conventions or shows. So I often have the experience of like, well, I got a lot of, you know, quote unquote, Star Wars Twitter in my feed. I have a mm-hmm. lot of comedy Twitter. I have a lot of comic book Twitter, which is different than sci-fi fantasy author Twitter, which is different than movie Twitter, which is different than indie movie Twitter, which mm-hmm. is different than pop culture discussion Twitter. And the main way that that ever gets weird is sometimes when a conflict or a crisis boils up or where somebody in the community has uh, has done something upsetting, I it's this fascinating thing where I can often see the shadow of the event. So like I can see everybody in Star Wars Twitter is mad about something, but I can't find the inciting incident. <laughs> and other people are so, uh, it, it, from the way they discuss it, are so all in on whatever their Twitter is. Like, mm. I, I know there are people that, that Star Wars Twitter is pretty much their feet. Mm-hmm. So they, they see it all, you know? And it's this very weird uh, effect to have, you know, I'm more feet than I have in different worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a great overview of your general uh, interest level, how you use Twitter. Um, for myself, I, I say I'm obsessed because I use it as a way to share jokes and ideas and stay connected. And even uh, now I use it for a lot of news. Uh, mm-hmm. I use it for to, to follow specific interests. Like I feel like uh, Twitter and is a great way for me to stay connected to some of the things that I like that aren't as insanely popular. Like Twin Peaks is definitely popular. It has a strong fan base, but like that's almost like a daily Zen. I follow a bunch of different uh, accounts at this point that just like repost pictures from Mm. Twin Peaks. So I'm just scrolling through and like, Oh oh yeah, nice. (laughs) there's something I like. Uh, I use it so much, but I feel like it is um, involved in my career and it is not only a news source, a connection to friends, but it's also something that I feel like I like to keep up and I want to keep up as a writer and a comedian and a performer. So uh, I've definitely gone through periods of real obsession on the broadcasting part of it, of really, really um, back when if you had a really funny joke and it got literally 100 retweets, you would get 50 new followers. It was a really vital part of building your career. Mm-hmm. And that has changed now of you you can have a very funny joke and it can get a, a couple thousand retweets and that doesn't drive follower numbers the way it used to. So I have, uh, I think, been able to back off of my obsession of needing to put out as much comedy content, uh, at least as obsessively. So mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, so the little picture of our, uh, our the way we use it, uh, obsession levels. Let's talk a little bit about the beginning of how and when we got involved uh, with Twitter. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll start with this one because I want to hear what, what your recollections are. Mm-hmm. So I believe it was the year 2009 uh, that I got on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I had I remember when somebody that I was in a who, who performed in the comedy variety show that I produced monthly with my brother sent all of us links to Friendster. And I was like, 
why do we need to say online that we are friends in real life? What the hell is this? And I think it was on like whatever that classmates was back in the day. Oh, I don't. That was this. It was just like oh, it was basically just like a digital yearbook, you okay. know. And I I poked around at getting involved in Live Journal and just I was kind of slow to adopt. And then in 2009 we started our theater company, and that was like the okay. Well, now now I feel like it's not just me saying what I had for lunch. I am promoting things. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got on, it morphed into like oh wait, this is how we communicate with one another. This is how we get connected to a larger world outside of our immediate circles. Um, you know, and, and for somebody who had mostly performed in Minneapolis and to suddenly just be like uh, a random person in Ireland could be amused by my joke. And it's not, I'm not just the local, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but that idea that you could, honestly, that was, it wasn't just the, ooh, I can get retweets. I can maybe... Uh, you know, get followed by a famous person and get elevated. You know, it wasn't just that. It was the thrill of, oh, I, I, I'm not confined by the literal physical boundaries of where I live as a as a comedy person. Mm-hmm. So I started it is, uh, is my Twitter account started as our theater company was called Joking Envelope, and you know, I think my first tweet is a quote uh, from Sigmund Freud about uh, comedy because like my first tweet was basically like. Here is a press release for my theater company. And then it was after probably a year that I changed the handle to my actual name because I had, you know, had grown followers and was using it as a human. Yeah. (laughs) Less than as a promotional thing for a theater company. And then segued into it. And then then the dream and the nightmare began. So So true. (laughs) When did your dream and nightmare begin? Yeah, I had totally forgotten that you only had the Joking Envelope account for so long. Yeah, for wow. like a year and a half. Yeah. Um, I believe I also started in 2009. And the thing that I remember most about early Twitter is I still had a, a flip phone. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So did you have to send a text to Twitter or some bullshit? I think that there was that option. I tended not to do it and I would just do it on the computer, which is very funny to me because I never do it on a computer now. I only use it on my phone. That's right. That Yes. Yeah, because I started out using it just... Uh, on my computer as well and i remember telling you like i think you know i think for the sake of the business like uh i gotta get a i gotta get one of them smarty (laughs) smartphones yeah (laughs) yeah we we got it uh my first smartphone before i went to san francisco to do the sf sketch fest because i wanted to be able to tweet about san francisco without (laughs) bringing my computer (laughs) oh boy oh the Uh, days the old older days too fast and too slow all at once. Any other thoughts about sort of the beginning of the adventure? Um, I mean, honestly, that's, I would say that. And then my other biggest memory. So I early on was very much a TweetDeck user, which mm. was one of the early apps you could use to watch yeah. it. And at that time, because even then I didn't look at it all the time, but if you looked at it often enough, like if I looked at it once a day and I did not follow that many people, TweetDeck would save where I had been. Oh, that's right. And I remember sometimes taking the bus to work and just spending the entire bus ride catching up on all of the tweets that I had missed. And that it's that's so not remotely possible now. And it's just it's such a like, oh wow. Back when you could, you know, 
Read the whole Twitter newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's an ancient <laughs> joke about, hey, I finished reading the internet, you know, right. like, and but it really was. I remember when I used to do that, too, because I, you know, followed a lot of people in the UK and I would save my place mm-hmm. at like 1 a.m. when I fell asleep in Minneapolis. And then I would, you know, get up at about 8 a.m. and be like, oh, look at all the British people getting up <laughs> and read all of the things they had for breakfast. Yeah, yeah I think sometimes we would both be like, oh. Britain's getting on Twitter. It means we need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> the British are tweeting. The British are tweeting. Um, so we, we've touched on it a little bit, but I, I, before we get too deep, because I do have a lot of good things to say about Twitter, I want to acknowledge some of the the horrors. So for you, what do you think are the the biggest problems with Twitter? What are the the downsides mm. for you as an individual, or or your opinion? as an individual about the cultural problems of Twitter? Um, ooh, so I, th- I think there are a lot of potential problems. I think there's a lot of um, potential really big problems that I probably don't even know enough about to speak to. So I'm not going to talk about some of those right now. How's that for being evasive? <laughs> but I do, I, what you were saying about that connection for Twitter, being able to connect with people from all over the world, um, that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise, no matter where you live, like you're not going to. Um, I love that aspect of, of Twitter and, you know, all sorts of other platforms on the internet. But I also feel like that feeling of connection is one of also the biggest dangers to me of that feeling like Twitter is the world Mm. and letting it replace human interaction. Yes. Yes. Uh, Because there is a real, um, the, it is. I've made the joke, but then I have realized, like, oh no, I've maybe slipped into the joke. Sometimes being true, that ability to wait and craft the perfect jokey but friendly reply to something like, yeah, no, you can't. In in real human interaction, you can't pause for five minutes. You can't say like, I like that comment. <laughs> Give me three minutes. Let me. And if I start to, <laughs> no, that's not right. I mean, uh, what could. I meant to say was, um, mm. <laughs> many people would would like that. Uh, but yeah, it, there are times where I have been so sucked into my Twitter world, and I feel like I'm being really social. And then if I haven't been interacting with people in person as much, or outside of a structured conversation like the way a, a podcast might be, to be like, oh, right. I think the thing is like Twitter generates conversations um and that i think is one of the things that we as humans struggle with in conversations is just agreeing on what we're going to talk about <laughs> like literally yeah I, I get kind of obsessed with that about you know and, and i have also made jokes but mm, jokes based in reality of like i wonder if it would help people to just be like here's my here's my uh, options here are four things I'd be willing to talk about. Do any of them interest you? Right. Like, because I think that is where we get hung up. And I think maybe social media has made that worse because the trending topics or somebody else's popular tweet suggest the topic and then everybody or, or some news about the world or about pop culture. And then everybody responds to that. And it, it can be a very responsive thing mm-hmm. where I think actual human conversation is like a generative thing where like both people uh, or everybody involved in the conversation ha- have a responsibility to kind of instigate the topic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very true. I think the responsive versus generative is a great distinction. Yeah. If that's a word, 
I should look that up to make sure. Well, you know. If not, I just generated it. Is it is now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, uh, I got lost in, in my own thoughts on that. Any other for you big downsides? Um, I, This is related. That I think you focus the, on. Yes. I maybe don't focus on this one. Maybe I do. Um, And I'm sure I pride. Well, yeah. Anyway, I, it's so easy to get siloed. Um, and mm, I think yes. on an, I think even if you don't realize it, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just that it's one that is that is a difficult one, and I think it is it is sometimes hard to see whether or not you are in a silo, mm-hmm. um, maybe a, a smaller silo or a larger silo, but um, or a series of connecting silos. Does yeah, that work? yeah. No, I I have had friends that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of the way to say this. Who haven't spent time on social media a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe happier for it. But then sometimes I talk to them in, in a sort of an idea that I feel like, I feel like culturally we had this big discussion, we processed this, and we kind of agreed that when we talk about this subject, let's maybe not use this term, or let's just really be aware when talking about this subject that it is a hot button issue with people that feel really sensitive about and. And even people that I think are very kind and caring are just kind of not as aware of some of those conversations that live on social media. I think that's very true. Um, absolutely. And that then people who do spend a lot of time on social media are like, hello, we've all talked about this. Like, and other people are like, I have never heard this concept before. <laughs> um, it is I do it both honestly and a little bit jokingly because I don't spend as much time on social media as you. I, I have multiple times asked you like, Hey, so what's the latest on this? Like, you know, or, you know, if there's a word or something of like, is can you just make sure I'm not saying something that I'm not supposed to say? Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is for exactly that. Like, I don't think I'm ever saying anything that's remotely going to be offensive. That's never my intent. But I'm always now slightly nervous that there's a conversation that I missed mm. that has changed something that. I wouldn't have known to be aware of and I'm going to make people mad or upset unintentionally. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's <laughs> lots of examples <laughs> of, uh, yeah, no, but I think we're all, we're all like that. And, mm-hmm. and that can be a downside of Twitter as well. Which, anyway. Um, but like even just sort of uh, terms that have grown out of the actual mechanics of Twitter that are unique to, to Twitter. Like mm-hmm. some things are social media in general. Right. right? Yeah. Um, but things like if, at your job, mm-hmm. somebody said something just uh, uh, really um, that's going to that, you know, is going to get a ton of reaction. Mm-hmm. And you said at work like, oh, they're going to get ratioed. Would the rest of people at your job know what that means? No, do, do maybe you, one or two. people. Do you know what that no. means? You know that people can't hear you shake your head no, right? I don't know what that means. You, know, you, you don't have you're getting really embarrassed and I that's not Because I this is, and this is what happens is I do always feel like, "Oh, I should you, But I want to relieve you of that. You okay. you shouldn't know. You you have said so many healthy things at the top of this podcast that you choose the amount of time that you want to spend. And that's the thing is like I, I do think it's valuable to have all of these conversations and these insights, but I think if there are those of us who spend a bunch of time on social media and feel like things that grow on social media should be a part of the um, non-social media, non-Twitter conversation, mm-hmm. then it's our responsibility to find ways to bring them out of that silo. Yeah, actually, It's not that's... your responsibility to go, 
I didn't spend 24-7 on Twitter, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think that would be um, a good thing for many people, um, perhaps myself included, to work on of how do we bridge that that gap? How do we make that communication leap? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of it, like, you know, ha- grows by the way news talks about things. Like, mm-hmm. the, the first couple times that CNN, like, put a tweet on is like, what? I mean, like, that, that felt like such a weird, that's the sort of proper mm, adult broadcasting world. I mean, it, it felt as weird as, like, Wolf Blitzer taking his shoes off, you know, and his socks off and putting his feet up on the desk and just <laughs> eating Taco Bell while also, because it was, like, so, like, this is from a different part of the world, but now it's so ingrained, right? Now right. tweets, you know, for better or worse, move world economies. Um, uh, ratioed is just as... I, I, this is what I like because there's moments where it does just feel like a community and things naturally, organically grow. Ratioed is a, a term for when somebody says something that's going to get a lot of attention, but the majority of attention it's going to get is in the comments. So, you know, you have the numbers on a tweet mm. that you can see the number of likes the number of retweets, and the number of comments. Yeah. And so, like, when somebody says something that is going to get attention, but the vast majority of attention they're going to get is somebody going, what the hell is wrong with you? And by somebody, I mean, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Right. So you can see those tweets, especially, like, from politicians. It will happen a lot. Or, you know, a a higher-level person in pop culture who has a really inflammatory take. Mm -hmm. You'll see, like, oh, wow. 17,000 likes, 10,000 retweets, 135,000 comments. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Right now I know. Yeah. And sometimes when people, right away when people uh, tweet something like that, you know, other people will just like quote tweet it and say, let's get ready to ratio. Like it's a whole thing. (laughs) How fun. Thanks. (laughs) I learned something. Isn't it just... um, yeah, for me, downsides is obviously I, I just need to acknowledge the misinformation, right? I mean, mm-hmm. with uh, with Trump and everything that is going up around him, and the the fake accounts and the bots and the the proven it's been studied the outside uh, from the United States actors seeing any division, including the squabbles over the Last Jedi, is a means to further uh, divide and upset people. Obviously, all that stuff is not great. <laughs> um, obviously it, it can be addictive and in a real and I, I think I do struggle with that in a real just plain hey you get you get a rush from getting the likes and the retweets it, and it makes you want to come back for more mm-hmm. um, it's definitely uh, addictive I think for me it, there is a danger of leading to groupthink I like to be real careful about how I talk about this because I think a lot of the sort of in my opinion a lot of the uh, social justice things that have happened on social media i agree with i am not in general a um i feel like the term cancel culture gets used to change the conversation from what the actual inciting incident is for people wanting to discuss hey i'm not going to support this person anymore um so i want to be careful about how i talk to talk about this but i think because of the siloing effect it can lead to really quick uh group think Mm-hmm. Which I think, even when I 100% agree with the group, think I still, for myself, want to take a moment and go, ooh, do I, do I, I think from a quick look, I agree with this. But let me take a moment to read a little bit more deeply and make sure that I agree with the general thrust of it and make sure that some other kind of sub idea isn't growing out of it that I maybe don't support. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, was that careful enough? <laughs> was I clear? No, I think that was very clear. <laughs> very well explained. Yeah. And then I think for me, a big thing, and I think this is true of Facebook and um, and Twitter and not as much Instagram because you can't share as many links. But I think there is a blight of people reacting to headlines and not reading the content. Uh, and that's obviously a huge political risk, but it's like it's insane how much it happens in Star Wars Twitter of like people write things that are just rumors and if you actually click the link you'll see there aren't any any sources at all even cited <laughs> yeah it's just hey there's gonna be a Ponda Baba tv show and then there'll be tweets 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 it's a trending topic and then long essays about why that's a terrible idea and it feels like almost no one has clicked through to say this is this was just like posted by like probably some 17 year old in Toledo like Mm -hmm. who's trying to get clicks and it has (laughs) you know so I think there is uh, definitely a concern for me about because you can get uh, so involved in I have to comment on everything I want to comment on everything uh, that opinions are coming so fast with so little research Mm, yeah which can be uh, a danger Mm -hmm. um but then criticizing that too much can be a danger to undercutting, I think, legitimate uh, sort of social justice issues. Yeah. Yeah. Am, am I uh, rambling? No, no, no. I was just I was trying to make sure I followed you, uh, followed where you were going with it. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, j- just to be super clear, what I'm saying is I think there can be fast groupthink. Mm-hmm which I get worried about without mm-hmm. without people actually reading. But then I think sometimes when that is not the case, people use that, the shouting groupthink, as a way to distract from actual researched, knowledgeable agreement from a vast group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, that anytime that, that people are all agreeing doesn't mean it's groupthink. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Anyway, all right. Uh, let, let's move on to some upsides. Positive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think you and I have both uh, mentioned several. But for you, what what's what's what are some of the most exciting or best things? Yeah. Twitter? Yeah. Well, I mean, we ha- we have said some, but one honestly that I want to bring up based off of what you were uh, related to what you were just saying about fake news and people not reading headlines and things like that. Um, as a person who comes kind of into and out of Twitter a fair amount, but I do try to read a variety of news stories or newspapers, you know, kind of keep an eye on what's going on every day, even when I'm not on Twitter. But I do feel like in the last, um, you know, really, I'd say since, um, you know, the pandemic really hit, um, maybe around the time it was in, in Italy, we'll use that as a starting point, I started to be on Twitter more. And as a result, um, did find other articles that I did read because I I am guilty of reading headlines. I do not react to the headlines except to you. Um, and I admit, I'm like, well, I read the headline. I need to read the article. But um, but I feel like I've read a lot more, a wider variety of um, articles and perspectives uh, on a wide variety of topics. But in particular, I'm thinking about it for the pandemic, for coronavirus, than I would have otherwise without having that resource of Twitter. And so I do feel like that is, to me, one of the fantastic um, upsides. 
Yeah. Is just that exposure to a wider range of of sources, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I think the um I, I think the amount of misinformation, obviously, and in, in the targeted with bots and agendas is is very dangerous. But there's so much that is people who say what their sources are or or are like, hey, I'm right here on the ground and this is happening next to me. Mm-hmm. And you can see like, yeah, you know, I sometimes things will blow up on social media and I will turn on multiple different news channels and it's not there yet. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a ton of things in our world that would stay quiet if it wasn't for sort of the voice of the people and yeah. the voice of the people on the ground. And I think Twitter is, is uh, we, we really all as a culture bash Twitter a lot because there are many, many challenging things about it. Mm-hmm. But that voice of the people, right? I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's an extension of everybody kind of talks about like, oh, things are changing because we can film them with our camera. Like, yes. But they're also changing because then we have a network and a community. Things would only be changing so much if we could film them on our camera. Social media hadn't developed. And then we sent them into news stations. Right. And then news stations (laughs) would would still have a lot more kind of control. But at a certain point, things can't be ignored uh, when the entire social media sphere is like, no, this is happening. Look at all of this. This isn't groupthink. This isn't bots pushing agenda. Look at all of these sources mm-hmm. vetted by lots of different people. This is happening and we're not going to shut up about it. So you, the sort of mainstream, larger outlets have to cover it. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that I think that's a great big power. Uh, I agree. Did, did you have others or is that? Um, This is a kind of uh, a bigger, maybe one that covers all social media rather than just Twitter. But as much, you know, kind of to contrast what I said earlier about people spending time on Twitter and not spending time in person, I like that it does give people a wider variety of options who might not have, I feel like it is more inclusive in terms of access Mm -hmm. than many other things in life are. And so I think that's um, a really beneficial thing to to society overall that shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not just the yeah, the sort of reporting. It's the, you know, it, it's hard. But if you're really funny and you get enough people to retweet you, you can be sort of organically discovered in a way. Yeah, know, yeah. Or even your if voice you're out there. Yeah. Or if you're somebody who just for whatever reason isn't able to leave your home very often, but you find your 50 other people that you like to interact with. Right. Um, you find your community. And I think that as much as silos can be bad, communities are good and it's uh or can be good yeah (laughs) i won't make it all black and white we've talked about how i like everything gray um but i feel like that is also a a benefit of of all social media but i feel like twitter has a good discovery option especially if you have those um niche interests yeah no i totally agree with you um yeah for me i think the um we talked a little bit about the news side of it but even when twitter is having real problems with there's clearly a lot of bots there's clearly a lot of hate speech they're slow to respond to things everything that people rightfully get upset about i'm always upset but i'm also like i have so much growth as a person because of twitter and a little bit facebook but i feel like facebook 
because it's a little less viral, it's a little mm-hmm. less, you know, Twitter, especially at its beginning, was built on the shareability the, the of trying to get tweets to go viral. So you make more connections and you see more people outside of your sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Twitter, the effect of having an intellectual understanding for me as uh, at this point, a, you know, middle-aged cis white guy, of having an intellectual understanding of elements of sexism or racism or, you know, even fun things like an intellectual understanding of different generations have different approaches to pop culture because of what they grew up watching when they were five. Like Mm -hmm. before social media, I had intellectual understandings of all those things. But because of Twitter, I have emotional understanding of them because I hear people's actual experiences mm-hmm. i mean i've definitely learned some facts but it's just different to hear an actual human being say this is what happened to me and i can see i understand that emotion entirely mm-hmm. and but i've never experienced that uh, set of factors mm-hmm. because of the differences so so i get the human connection of the similarities and this sort of uh, human emotional knowledge of the importance in the differences as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it has just made me, uh, I think, grow as a person. And I will always be really grateful uh, for that experience. Um, yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And then just the the, the literal connection, um, the, going to a lot of conventions and touring a little bit more with comedy, got to meet lots of cool people that I would have been like, great. Met you at a convention. Bye. But now they're kind of in my life in this weird inside my phone box way. <laughs> but then that also means what when I see them again, that there that remains to be a connection that goes both ways. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and you even get that sometimes with, you know, people who aren't necessarily even liking, retweeting, commenting on your tweets. And you kind of forget that you have been in their life. Right. Because sometimes I'll see somebody again at a convention and they'll... Like I often do uh, exercise update tweets where I make a joke about, you know, a dumb thing, non-exercise thing. As though it were exercise is a way to, it started as a way to motivate me to exercise more. It only worked a little bit. But sometimes I'll see somebody at a convention like, hey, you going to do some exercising today? And I'm like, why did that person say that to me? Like, oh, because <laughs> that's how they are seeing me right. on social media, on Twitter. Yeah. So there's that. Um and then yeah, uh, it, for upsides, it, it has had a true value to the uh, writing and comedy career because for everything, you need to be seen and be active and be present and uh, stay in people's minds. So if people are thinking like, oh, I, I need somebody to write this or who should I add to my show? And like it, you will come to mind because you are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, uh, I think most of the world knows this, but yeah, the social media numbers mean mean something i have had a couple opportunities some that have uh come through and some that have fallen through but i wouldn't have even got the opportunity i've had you know um decision makers and people with power to give me (laughs) jobs in in help with career Mm -hmm. have said i i liked your script or i saw your tweet or i saw you on this video and then i checked your twitter followers and you do have a presence so then i reached out to you and it really is like like it's like this weird resume in at least the entertainment business where like oh, somebody would would have in a, in a more normal job. would It's like checking like, 
oh, you said you went to college, but let me check. Okay, yeah, you did. And <laughs> like the, the the Twitter numbers, no bullshit, are sometimes like the, oh, yeah, if you had half that number of followers, I wouldn't have asked you. Mm-hmm. Because it's just raw business Yeah. of how many people can you reach? Mm-hmm. If I add you to this thing I'm trying to do, will you bring other people in with you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I said that is a good thing, but as I talked about it more and more, it's a scary thing too. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it, um, it, I honestly, I think like a lot of things with, with Twitter, they have the same item can have both a positive and a negative or good sides and bad sides. That's what we're really learning today. Things can be both <laughs> good and bad. We solved the world. Hi, did you want, <laughs> what does Sesame Street think about Twitter as the episode today? I feel like that's uh, not intentionally where I've been going. <laughs> uh, Sesame Street has a pretty good uh, Twitter presence. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, yeah, I follow the count. Um, what is the most fun or weird thing you've experienced on Twitter? Ooh. Um, ooh, that's a really good one. This is kind of an older one, but it's the one that jumped to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of earlier on in Twitter, uh, when people from all over different places would do like a, a, a cheers or something Ooh. or something like that of, you know, whatever your beverage happens to be. Some places it might be coffee because it might be 8 a.m. Other people might be 8 p.m. And so they're like, here's my beer, glass of sparkling water, whatever, you know, but kind of that sense of like, we're going to do a, a group cheers at this time and like kind of have it. I, th- I feel like when I've been part of it, it, I think a few have been planned, but most of them have been kind of spontaneous. Like sort of a social media wave, but it's with, yeah. <laughs> with drinks. Yeah, like a social media <laughs> meetup, except it's not because all you're doing is you're just sharing that moment of being together. And that's all it is. It's just that like that thread. And then it's done. Wow. That is really, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Well, you should try to start one. There I'll we join go. You. Okay. Thank you. We can start a, a wave. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about you? Oh, I've had a lot of fun or weird things, but the one that I was writing this question, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, so for a while, I was doing a monthly tweet series where once a day I would tweet on the same topic. It started because uh, somebody at a convention I was at said, my tweets are good. I don't just tweet about tacos. And I was like, you could tweet about a taco every day and it could still be a good tweet. So I started tweeting about tacos every day and then change it to the month and it got to be a lot of work so i did it for like a year and a half but one month i think was pastries mm-hmm. and i made a weird pastry joke about benedict cumberbatch and that's another thing with twitter is like it cycles through things that are you know just like in normal society you know for a while and like bacon jokes were gold as dumb as that sounds and <laughs> uh for a while like, you know people were you, height of his emergence uh mm-hmm. into sherlock and you know playing con and star trek into darkness and all sorts of things um so yeah i wrote down the actual tweet because i couldn't remember it so i looked it up so as a part of this joking about pastries uh i said sometimes when i'm sad i picture a shirtless benedict cumberbatch slowly eating an apple fritter try it and it was it was meant <laughs> to be a joke about uh, being over obsessed with pastries Right. Right. It, it was not really about <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch at all. And then uh, several years later, like three years later, there was an article with Benedict Cumberbatch in Vanity Fair. And the interviewer was asking him, how do you feel about uh, some of your really obsessive fans? And he's like, well, it's, you know, it's a little it can be really 
frightening and and some of them are really off the deep end and some of them you know don't believe that i'm actually you know in love with the person i'm with and and you know really kind of like um super you know it can be sort of stocky and invasive Mm -hmm. and and then the person's like yeah let me read you this really over the top tweet about you and then (laughs) read my tweet to them and presented it not as hey a Comedian it was trying to prove that he could make a m- month worth of pastry tweets funny. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it was hashtag daily pastry tweet, uh, but just read it to him as though this was a sincere thing that I got up in the morning and thought, uh, all I want to do today is picture shirtless Benedict Cumberbatch slowly eating an apple fruit. Like that was my <laughs> sincere heart's desire right. and presented it to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, that one makes me giggle a little because it's just like, I don't see myself as that great. Who would who would want to see that? What kind of mind would want to see that? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you thought it was funny, it worked as a comedy tweet. Yeah. Right. And the way I even found out about it is I just got up one morning and I saw there were some tweets replying to this very old tweet saying, I found it. I found the tweet. And a bunch of people doing that. And then, like, all of the accounts were like, you know, Benedict uh you know, cumber bitches, as some people uh, called themselves at the time. Maybe they still do. I don't know. Uh, so that was a, so I was like, why are people saying I found it like this tweet is some <laughs> weird holy grail? Uh, yeah. And then yeah. Found it. So I, I would have to say that is definitely one of the weirdest things to have. Like, uh, it, like I, you know, I, I really like him as a performer. I don't know him as a human at all, obviously. Um but that was really weird to have my words read to this person that I know is another human being. Right. <laughs> and maybe my dumb pastry tweet objectified him a little bit in a weird way, but it was not even remotely intended like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they didn't credit you, I don't think. Did they? In the article, no. Okay. No. Which is probably fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's just fine. <laughs> Extremely happy for that. Did they read Daily Pastry Tweet? Tweet? No. Okay. Just curious. <laughs> and I, I don't think that would have made it better. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not I sure. Think, That's what I was trying to think through. I think if I showed somebody like, here's the rest of my Twitter feed. Here's the rest of the daily pastry tweets. These, uh, this was this is not not a tweet really about Benedict Cumberbatch's. It's not a sincere desire <laughs> <laughs> to see him slowly eat apple fritter. <laughs> uh, and I also just kind of felt bad for like, Maybe people who who don't cross the line, uh, but are super 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 into Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. That my tweet was the one that got represented. <laughs> you took their moment of fame. I did. Their moment of fame or, or infamy. So that was definitely uh, among the weirdest. There's been a yeah. lot of weird ones, but uh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's that's pretty high up there. Uh, do you think we talked about this a little bit on our history episode? But I'm curious. Do you think? Twitter is going to be a good resource for historians. Are, are, do you think historians are going to be able to recognize this is this was sort of ground zero for specific movements or ideas or or wow, this is the one tweet that you know crystallized a movement or that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, I think um, it, yes and no. <laughs> like I like I implied in that episode, and like I seem to like to say, uh, no, actually, I do think it will be very interesting. You know, jump forward. Uh, who knows where we'll be? Let's say you know, like two hundred years from now, 
and um, people are trying to figure out like what what was the culture or what were some of the cultural movements that were like all of the 20, you know, from 2000 to 2020, the culture was entirely the same and they did this. And not that they'll necessarily need to get to that level of micro information about us, but if there is a reason that they need to, or for social movements or various discoveries, um, I feel like there's a lot in there. It's just that there's so much sand they have to sift through. Mm, yeah. But overall, I feel like, um, yeah, I think there is definitely good information in there. And especially if you can check like trending topics and things like that, I feel like that might be a good place for it. Or I mean, it is probably a little bit more going to be key accounts, however that's determined. Um, and I don't know where it's at right now with the Library of Congress archiving tweets i know for a while they were archiving all tweets yeah i i I don't know if that's still happening i i honestly don't know yeah i don't know either because yeah there is a certain point at which like (laughs) how is that ever going to be i think it's much more likely that it will be like this is the day the dam broke on this historical idea because look at the number of tweets like Mm -hmm. even for like pop culture things that's like one of the big metrics uh for like unveiling a trailer at San Diego Comic-Con is just engagement. Mm-hmm. Not good, bad, or otherwise, but uh, did DC or Marvel win based on how many tweets? And it could be a thousand people saying, I hate this Justice League trailer. A thousand. Much more than a thousand. <laughs> uh, millions. Mm-hmm. But the news is still just, it's this weird version of any any social media engagement is good engagement. Right. If that uh, sounds familiar from the oldie times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I, I agree. I think it's going to be those... What are the big moments? Like, what are the, you're going to have to get get really good at watching, uh, looking at waves and graphs and things like that. Yeah. All right. Historical waves and graphs. I want to ask you about, and this is another thing where I'm going to try to speak uh, carefully. Okay. I always try to speak carefully, but when I announce it, it means I'm going to try extra hard. Um, the I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to give you some backup information. Okay. <laughs> and then ask you to answer the question. The question is, how do you feel about Twitter? Uh currently being used as a historical tool now here's the backup information okay um it continues to happen that in particular because this is the world that i'm in um actors and comedians sometimes writers directors uh older jokes are unearthed and uh people are surprised and offended Mm -hmm. so this is where i want to be really really clear about what i'm saying A lot of them are from the uh, late 2000s, early 2010s. And for myself, they're not a kind of thing that I, I I don't particularly like. But there was a whole strain of edgy comedy where the joke was, you say something you are not supposed to. And I I was involved with some of that for live performance Mm -hmm. because, like I said, it was a whole strain of comedy anytime that i was involved with that any live stuff it was advertised as a here's a show that's about what offends us or not so people Mm -hmm. really came in with the i am aware that that's what's being discussed and for Mm -hmm. me that was always like i don't think i would do any of that anymore but it was like if you paid for a ticket that's the name of the show and you are aware that you were entering a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and we would have those conversations in the live version sometimes where people would go like, that was really funny. You push back against that taboo that I don't know why we have. And other people going like, I was legitimately offended by that. And maybe if you do this again, you shouldn't ever do it. And anyway, that's a yeah. much larger discussion. 
But I, I remember being kind of surprised to see people move that onto social media without any of the context of voice or social agreement in a room and just do tweets that are just it's funny because it's wrong and like I could go Mm -hmm. into breaking down comedy theory opinion of it but these things keep emerging where from a modern uh, sense they look absolutely horrific and one can absolutely argue they were horrific back then but they are being looked at outside of the historical context of that was a comedy style and I'm not agreeing with them or mm-hmm. apologizing for them. It's just fascinating to me in this historical level of norms have been changed. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that from a, from a history perspective of uh, Twitter's already been around so long mm-hmm. that people are looking at tweets from the past in their, and there isn't a discussion of historical context mm-hmm. in, in the in the even if there was a discussion for historical context it could still be even with historical context we find this totally unacceptable and the people involved must address it mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> you you have an energy of not wanting to uh discuss this oh oh no i'm happy to discuss it i have um many many thoughts and feelings and opinions and some of them conflict with each other me too uh so let me try to dive down in there and keep my train of thought and speak carefully um i think i mean (laughs) i think it's really hard (laughs) that's what i'm gonna start with i mean i think so just looking at it first from a historical perspective to me that is there is that duality it is always a danger to look at something that is from history whether recent history or longer ago history without the context of the time period but to only apply a modern context to it Mm -hmm. i think that is um is always dangerous i don't think it always means it's wrong but i think it's always dangerous and you should be aware of what you're doing um I, no surprise, certainly not to you because you know me, uh, specific to this question, have never been a fan of this type of humor. Um, and so there's that as well. Like like you were saying, the question of what should it have even been part of comedy or society at that point? And, and what is the... Um, what is the role of it in a platform like Twitter? Like mm. you said, that doesn't have those people buying into it. Um, and speaking very specifically about kind of what you're talking about, where people are making jokes that are offensive, but not necessarily um, hurting an individual person, because I have a, a different feeling about that. Um, yeah, I mean, and I th- I think there's, I'm going to try to be eloquent. I think the other thing about it is it's not just the historical context, but it's also that was um, so early in Twitter and social media's life that there was really this exploration of what is this world? Mm -hmm. How does this world live? Oh, wait, these tweets are still here? Wait, they're always here? Wait, now they're in the Library of Congress? What? (laughs) Like, I feel like there is initially such a sense of... Well, I just put this out here, but like in a week, everyone's forgotten about it. 
And not, I'm not saying that was ever true. Right. And, 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 and that there were sort of like a tweet is, yeah, it's a fart on the wind. It just blows away. But yes, but there was such a, at least that was my um, interpretation. There was such a feeling of um, uh, short-livedness yeah. of what you were doing. Um, so I feel like there's that context of it. And also just kind of figuring out the... I was, what I was going to say, and I'm kind of stumbling over my words here, I was going to say that I think there's also the question of um, how old were the people do, when they were doing these things? Because part of it, I wondered, and I have, I don't know, um, you know, is it like, are you finding somebody's notes that they were p- passing in class when they were 15 hmm. versus what they were saying publicly on a postcard when they were 35 and that those should maybe be treated a little differently. Maybe not. But, yeah. you know, we tend to give teenagers a little bit of a pass to grow and develop um, as opposed to something written on a postcard, which I use as a kind of, quote, public example. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's both the there's the age of the, the people involved, but there's also the age of the platform, which doesn't excuse it. It just is. I feel like there's so many considerations uh, and you asked for my <laughs> what I thought from it about it from a historical context perspective. Um, and I think with anything, there's always the like, what is the what is the historical context? What is the context now? And how would we think about that now? I think those are both good um, um, filters to look at something through yeah. and to say, how has this changed? Do we want to hold this up to the ti- the filters of the time period, the filters of now? Let's talk through all of that um but i think i think it's complicated and i think it's complicated especially um when something is taken from let's say 10 years ago as a um and made to apply to something that's present even if it doesn't necessarily yeah apply to the present yeah i think you're really helping me crystallize how i feel about it Mm -hmm. is i what i want is in addition of conversation so we can better learn and have more nuance mm-hmm. moving forward because I don't, I don't have any big, I am not saying like cancel culture, you know, and uh, it's wrong and people should be able to say whatever they want and all that. Like you, you take responsibility. You have to take responsibility for what you said, regardless of when you said it or why you said it, you still, mm-hmm. have, you said it and you still have to take responsibility for it. Absolutely. Um, so, like, I mean, the whole James Gunn thing, because he was one of the prime examples of this, is of he was being an edgelord and thought it was really funny to say the most offensive thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we had all those conversations about, like, was that ever funny? Um, right. You know, who are you uh, from a place of, of privilege? You think it's funny because you're just saying something that's really taboo. But for the people who are protected <laughs> by the fact that society has decided you shouldn't say that awful thing. Because we're trying to be respectful to any number of groups of people who get targeted, mm-hmm. um, and that's it's never been great for them. So it was it, it's not it was never great, but it's we've super decided it's not great now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like James Gunn very very much explained himself with the total mea culpa of here's where I was coming from, here's why I understand it was bad, here's why I'm ashamed, here's why I'm not going to like. Uh, in really trying to have growth as a person. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they, I don't think, I don't have any problem with that whole process. Mm-hmm. I think it's weird for me as somebody who has been involved with comedy for a long time and seen it ebb and flow and change 
to not additionally have the historical discussion, not as in a get out of jail free card, but as in a let's talk about this because maybe it could all help us all culturally moving forward Mm. of, Mm -hmm. you know, what what are the current things that we all accept as comedy and, you know, are, are things that we all, you know, say now or do now are we are we you know questioning them in the same and it's why we study history right to mm-hmm. to give us context for why we make sort of big cultural decisions yeah so i think i ju- just uh hunger for that additional conversation yeah and that's a really interesting point about bringing it forward um to try to apply those lenses to modern day as well i mean that 10 years ago is is not modern but is modern but um but to look at that um, kind of to reframe and question what are we saying now and how will we think about it in the future? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Okay. Here, I think I can say this carefully. Okay. Here, here's, here's my final thing on this and then we'll move on. I think I would rather question that entire style of joke telling than each individual. Uh, I mean, it, as well as each individual, mm-hmm. right? Because I think when one persons revealed they said these awful things and this person said these awful things and yes they have to individually deal with it Mm -hmm. but if we always treat it as individual things instead of that was a whole genre of comedy that many people performed and many people did it on social media and many people retweeted and liked it as well as addressing the individuals taking responsibility i want there to be a larger cultural conversation of let's address that we all thought that was great not all but en- enough of us to make it popular mm-hmm. thought it was great and yeah. do we want to re-examine how and why and and have a larger conversation about it as well as addressing the individual conversation so we can get you know better healthier discussion from it yes i am totally on board with that i think that's i mean i think that's a really good way of looking at it of looking at both the the issue and also um, having the people involved talk about it. Um, and for myself, just to get into the weeds of it for a moment, I think that is for me part of because it is modern and these people are here and have the opportunity to say what they were thinking. And was it just because that's what was getting retweets or this is why they did it or this is how they've changed since then? I I do feel like there needs to be some acknowledgement that time has passed maybe people have grown maybe they haven't um but in, in to have the individual people be able to comment and um depending on the situation but with this exact situation in general i i tend not to think like yes they said something horrible 10 years ago they should be canceled um and that's just no i'm not saying that's always the case depends on the situation i'm just saying very specifically with this you know like the James Gunn example. Yeah, I think when somebody can acknowledge it and speak to it and change and illustrate that they understand mm-hmm. how, what they did and why and how they want to be different going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think just sometimes there is, if you said it all, hey, everybody was doing it, it sounds like a deflection. Totally, totally. But, and it's great that people don't want to deflect in that way, but that also means we are skipping the conversation that, a bunch of us agreed. All those people retweeting mm-hmm. also agreed 
that this was a good form of comedy and let's address the cultural as well as the individual. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, f- I feel like that's a great, like remembering to address the cultural situations as yeah. well, rather than just the individual people, but not as a deflection, not at all as a deflection. No, definitely. Yeah. Cause it just to yeah. be anyway. very clear. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank did you. Did I mess that up? <laughs> no, you did not. Thank you for, uh, thank you for going down that, uh, that rabbit hole for me, uh, with me. Uh, let's, let's go to some different rabbit holes. Okay. <laughs> What do you think an actual physical museum of Twitter would look like? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it'd be very blue. <laughs> By which I mean the color, not the style of comedy. Uh, yeah, very good button to, be to our conversation. <laughs> um, wow. You know, wouldn't it be interesting if you had like one room that was digital Twitter and you could it was just screens of tweets just like scrolling and then the next room was analog twitter and it was just like printed pages of tweets and you had to flip through the books and then the next one was like vr twitter and certain tweets had been chosen to be made into vr so you like walked into these realities of these tweets and you could like go through each different world i mean that'd be kind of (laughs) like a weird crazy way to experience twitter in a way that none of us really are right now but maybe yeah i want historical reenactments i want (laughs) i want actors to play people you know in a little set of an apartment with people in their sweatpants 2 a.m eating funyuns and saying out loud the things that they tweet. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't Have you ever that. sat in your sweatpants at 2 a.m. eating Funyuns saying your tweet out loud? Not myself, no. <laughs> but I have played many historical characters who I don't think ever said, Well, hello, I'm Franklin Steele, the father of <laughs> Minneapolis. And I want to see... I want to see some historical reenactment about Twitter that's as stiff and inaccurate as that. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, of old times, do you miss the fail whale? <gasps> I totally forgot about the fail whale. Sorry, <laughs> I got so high pitched and excited. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's just it's great. Yeah, so the, the the just the term fail whale I right? just lived in my heart. I, I felt like in early Twitter, I felt like, you know, fail whale is going to be like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's going to be like a famous, you know, icon of our culture. And the fail whale failed and went away, I guess. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why the fail whale went away, but it's it's very sad to me. Um, do you have a favorite tweet of uh, of uh, that comes to mind? Either something you tweeted or a favorite tweet that you've seen on Twitter or one that sticks out in your mind of kind of changing your perspective on anything? Mm, wow. Yeah, you can take that question. It's a choose your own adventure question. Take it wherever <laughs> you want to go on favorite tweet. Yeah, I mean, wow. I've, there have been so many tweets. Um, ooh, do you have a good one while I think? Yeah, and I feel really bad that I can't remember the name of the uh, comedian who tweeted it. Um, it's a very popular funny woman and i i speaking of uh, twitter is history i tried to google it right before we recorded and i, I couldn't find it so i sincerely apologize and i, I will find uh, the person because i think about it all the time uh and she tweeted before twitter i didn't i'm paraphrasing before twitter i didn't know every joke had an answer <laughs> <laughs> which just gets to the heart of how Twitter is this great mechanism for comedy, but has also just changed the nature of how people interact with 
and perceive and broadcast comedy. Mm-hmm. And for myself, it is it is one of the most frustrating parts of Twitter. Not dangerous to our society, mm-hmm. but frustrating when you tweet a joke and sometimes you tweet a joke that invites people to add other stuff or say, you know, come up with the funny response and that. But so I, I, it's hard to express the frustration of, I want to make this joke, but I know everybody is going to respond with this incredibly obvious sort of knee-jerk response or like my least favorite thing, absolute least favorite thing in the world is, I see what you did there. <laughs> it's just kind of a non-response and I think can accidentally come off as condescending of like, I saw the structure of the joke, therefore the joke is invalid. I'm like, well, jokes have, many jokes have structures. Mm-hmm. Like, every joke you've ever heard, you probably on some level saw what a person did there. Yeah. Um, or just just the, I think what's, what can be so difficult about it is it can be well-intentioned of people see a joke they like and they want to be a part of it or engage with the person. Uh, so I think people who reply to jokes with sort of you should have said or I see what you did there or you you mentioned J.J. Abrams so I need to tweet the words lens flare at you even though that joke is now more tired than the actual lens flares in J.J. Abrams films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so many of those come from just people wanting to engage with a joke that they like. And I think, but for comedians and why that that tweet I liked was so cathartic is if you liked it you you can just hit like or retweet or if you really want to respond you know haha or that made my day or whatever and some people do do that but I think if you're if you're not a comedian who's who's trying to put comedy out you know um you maybe don't see how exhausting it is to get a ton of the exact same response and sometimes mm-hmm. just teed off a keyword of <laughs> like I you know there yeah. was a time like I can't I can't say JJ Abrams because I do not want to get 18 responses that say lens flare because it's just gonna make me cranky today right you know yeah and knowing that those people probably meant nothing by it except to be involved it just makes it even more of a an emotional pretzel for me <laughs> Yeah, no, I I understand that. And I think uh, early on in Twitter, I was sometimes that person not quite realizing, but just wanting to be like, oh, this is fun. And I want to be like, yay, thumbs up. But not always quite getting what I was doing. I learned very quickly. You are not a reply guy. (laughs) I I am not. But but I'd say early on, like it was just kind of a a learning experience. Uh, I I certainly have not been for probably a decade. So Yeah, but I just don't think I you have never done that. You ha- have you ever responded to somebody? Actually, you should have said mauve instead of fuchsia. It would have been funnier. You've never done that. No, 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 definitely not. I have done the like somebody puts out a joke and, you know, like what I, I this is this is why I'm not the comedian in the family. <laughs> uh, you know, like they're like, well, what I really want for breakfast is. <laughs> pancakes and uh, yeah i don't know and i would like i have responded to the joke as though it is a conversation Mm. i think sometimes that's okay i think 
sometimes there can be legitimate misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's sometimes willful misunderstanding that gets really frustrating. Yes. Like for a while there was like, I am not going to make any joke that involves tech in any way because five people will tell me, actually, I could write the software for that. Like, congratulations, but I was making a joke. And I think you know, for the most part, that I was making a joke, not actually asking for tech assistance. And, I, you know, that's that's a part of the spirit of, you know, every joke has, has, an, answer. has an answer. Like, but it, it, even if it's not a question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I will say, I've only done that to people that I knew. So I figured they would just be like, okay. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Well, I, I, I take your point, Sarah. Yeah. I'll favor your tweet. And, okay. And there are many great replies. And, you know, I, and, yes. I, and I do like it when I have maybe, you know, said something where I didn't fully consider it. I, it's, it's great that people pointed out there are a lot of great responses. And again, I know the vast majority of those responses come from a place of just uh, wanting connection, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. So mm-hmm. I, I do want to say that as well as my venting. That said, I don't think there's ever any need to say, I see what you did there. (laughs) That is my opinion. I'm going to plant my flag right there. You see where I put my flag. I see it. Um, Would you rather have an edit button on Twitter or in real life? Oh, um... Ooh, sorry, I don't, I don't know why that just made me uh, pause. Totally, just like fail uh, whale. Like, a, yeah, exactly. That's a, not a whale at all. Um, wow. I mean, I, I, yeah, I Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted an edit button for a long time, but then you know, people have pointed out it, it, it could be abused. I'd be fine True. with like a thirty-second window, but even then, people would knowingly abuse it anyway. Yeah, I think I'm okay without an edit button on Twitter, as frustrating as it is. Uh, and I think I am okay uh, just accepting that life is messy and I need to be responsible for what I say. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why I went with Twitter is because I was just like, well, yeah, no, no. you gotta, you got to actually live life and, and deal with it. Yeah, my knee-jerk reaction is, yes, I want an edit button for everything I've ever done. I want to edit on do uh, many life choices. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, here's a final question in our main uh, topic. If the Twitter bird was real, what kind of things do you think it would tweet about? Oh, ooh, I mean, so on a good day, the Twitter bird, I think, would be like, would tell us the updates on the sky and <laughs> the clouds. Still blue. Yeah, but maybe some days, like, it's cloudy, it's raining. Right. Um, like, ooh, there's a really good northwesterly winds today okay so like oh, um, sky reports yeah sky reports maybe do some like pollen reports just nibbled on a really good flower what <laughs> i don't know what kind of flowers twitter birds <laughs> nibble on um but i think the twitter bird has attitude i think that sometimes like if the twitter bird gets too many of the same if the twitter bird got the i i see what you did there like, I think the Twitter bird would have some salty replies. I think, like, uh, you'd have a gif ready of a bird pooping on somebody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, f- I feel like the Twitter bird is a text bird. It's a text bird, yeah, right? It yeah. chirps at you. It, it doesn't gif at you. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, like maybe, like, you know, in the... At least once a day, I would have something. Just to remind you, it's not all blue skies and happiness. <laughs> Just be like... Here's what I think about life. Right. Okay, going over here to this morning glory now. Bye. <laughs> so it would be balanced. It would enjoy some sky and some flowers, and then it would also keep it real. Yep. 
<laughs> Good answers. Uh, here are some quick plugs, and then we will wrap up with our final questions. I uh, don't need to do the help to start you questions for me because my obsession level is 10. It's a problem. I'm working on it. <laughs> anyway, uh, where can people find you? <laughs> Twitter, what's that? Uh, I'm at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. <laughs> Why did I suddenly forget what my Twitter handle was? Um, Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Because I was busy about to say no H on Sarah. Oh, yeah. 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 And then Instagram? Oh, Instagram, I'm at Scrim Street. Mm. Right, right. Uh, and you can, of course, follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was thinking about the Twitter bird and had to clear my throat. <laughs> Enjoy. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshot. And as we've been mentioning this uh, past several episodes, there are so many ways and resources to help uh, with all of the big changes and discussions that are happening in our society there are great links to many different uh, ways to approach helping people on blacklivesmatter.com so i suggest just checking it out uh we're gonna move on to our final questions are you ready yes if you could dm any figure from the past who would you dm or direct message <laughs> the dinosaur that is now sue the t-rex oh i would dm that tyrannosaurus rex and be like Hey, guess what? You're going to be uh, a super funny, well-liked dinosaur on Twitter. <laughs> that is a fabulous answer. Uh, Got to keep the bears involved in <laughs> Obsessed. So if a bear showed up at our apartment, took your phone, and started tweeting weird bear things, would you try to get your phone back? It's on your account. Mm. The bear is tweeting on your account. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Based on our conversation, yes, I would try to get it back. <laughs> and then maybe try to convince the bear to take a selfie together. And then do like some explanatory. Here's what the bear was tweeting. Is I don't know if the bear is tweeting in bear language or in English or just emojis. Uh, but we'd figure something out and maybe we'd do some co-tweets for a little while. Some co-tweets. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I know people who share accounts and you, like, you would sign yours in uh, probably what? SS? SSF? Yeah. SSS. Yes. Yeah, Sarah is great. Or Sarah. I don't yeah. know. Sarah. I'll see. Yeah, probably better than SS. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'd take that all I'm the way back. I'm going to take some of that back. <laughs> yep. Yep. All the way back. Uh, there's Anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. Um, yeah. And then so it could be Sarah mm -hmm. or bear. And you could sign it every time. Yeah. Like the bear could just sign with like a little bear emoji. Uh, see, this is, I'm not going to do this, but this is the kind of thing I would have considered uh, several years ago. Like, what if I developed a separate bear persona <laughs> on my Twitter? I mean, I should say there were many times that I thought about developing all sorts of different animal-based Twitter accounts. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. What? Like, I... I have never heard this. Really? When were you going <laughs> to tweet as animals? Um, I, at one point, like, I made whole lists of, like, there. I had some, like, I was trying to come up with names, I would, I, and I was trying to figure out what type of animal would be the best one to do. I don't even remember. Like, I know I considered a giraffe. Uh <laughs> You just really want tweets from a high vantage point from giraffes and birds. And I want to say the other was like a lizard or something. So okay, I, was, yeah. I was trying to go for variety or like, <laughs> you know, Erica the earthworm. <laughs> okay, well, look, look for tweets from Erica the earthworm 
on Sarah's Twitter account. Uh, final question is always is what is happiness? Happiness is finding the balance between your online friends and interactions and also feeling like you're participating in the world that you're walking out into the Zoom background that is the outdoors and uh, finding a way to balance all of it. I think that is great. I think as much as I have my ups and downs with Twitter, I think it has brought me more connection, more joy, more understanding than it has the opposite of those things. But it is only a part of my existence and I should go out into the world and tweet outside. (laughs) True (laughs) happiness. That is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. We forgot to follow up on, and by we, I mean me, I, I forgot to follow up on what your favorite tweet is. So what's an example of a favorite tweet? Yeah, so I, um, one that I can think of, because this is, this is a stressful question, because there's so many, um, is the LA Public Library has a very good Twitter account. And they have series where they do the, the LA Public Library card in different places. And they had one that I want to say was like a little garden gnome holding the, uh, the LA Public Library card. And it just, it just made my day. <laughs> it was a little garden gnome. With, with its own card. It was ready to check out books from yeah, the LA exactly, Public Library. Exactly. Made my day. <laughs>